Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion here on Bosch Rush Games. I am your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining me. Y'all need to get y'all tambourines and your grape juice because we are about to go in. Something I can't believe that is actually happening. I actually have a great friend of mine uh, on this topic. And, you know, everybody is welcome to come with Optional Opinion and talk about games, anything that they want. But this one, I had to reach out to my good friend for 26 years ever since 1994 i have been good friends great friends with this person we had our ups and downs but he's always been a great mentor he's been a great vocal coach director um just someone i always look up to i crack up with and he is the co-pastor of sign of the dove church non-denominational <laughs> in Waukegan, Illinois. Please, everybody, please welcome Pastor Corey Ratliff. Hey, Edward, and to the audience, happy to be here this evening. God bless you all. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could see the uh, topic, what is this obedience uh, we speak of? It's actually a play word on disobedience, but I just changed up the word in case people just like, wait, what are they talking about? Yes, everybody, we're talking about disobedience in in life and how disobedience in video games kind of play a part in something. And Pastor Corey isn't a video gamer, so but he knows the word. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> But he knows the word up and down and everything. Um, but before we get into that, since he doesn't have a gaming history at all, can you tell us uh, what is your role at Sign of the Duff? Okay. So, um, Eddie, I'm just I'm excited to do this with you. Um, like you said, it's been 26 years. And just hearing that alone, it kind of just blows my mind <laughs> that it's been that long. My yes. God. Um but uh, I'm just excited about life. I'm excited about, you know, just um, every opportunity that we get to just reconnect. Um, just seeing people like such as yourself, I'm excited to see you all just be full-grown adults and, and walk in just purpose and destiny. So it's awesome. My role over at the Sign of the Dove, I am the co-senior pastor along with Jason Dewey. And we are sitting in our position for about two and a half years now. Um, as we've taken over uh, from Apostle Harry Stackhouse and Deborah Stackhouse, as they are the founders of the church. Um, and I've been at Sign of the Dove probably as long as I've known you, for about 20, you know, 26, uh, maybe 27 years. Good. And so it's been, yeah, I've been at the Sign of the Dove for a long time. Um, I came there to, to basically help with music. And um, from there, I just started growing and and just became very faithful to the ministries, faithful to uh, serving uh, Apostle Harry and Deborah, and growing in my relationship with God. And and uh, since then, I've been doing lots of productions, so music, dance, um, drama. I was even on the comedy team at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> doing some ratchet mess, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm really excited just even about this call because I, not too often do I get to sit back and be a little bit ratchet. So I'm looking forward to the ratchetness tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, 
I was uh, at home. Uh, I was just like, goodness, if I had to go to praise and worship, if I had to do an opening song for him get to come in, I was just like, I hope he don't have his piano by him ready to shout. I'm like, this is just a podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, awesome. Yes. And like I said, everybody, like 26 years, we have had some roller coaster things in life. But it's yeah. always been a great relationship, a great friendship and everything. But we're going to get into this topic because, and the reason why I brought uh, Pastor Corey here to talk about uh, disobedience is because when we look at disobedience, we look at it in a religious uh, aspect and a secular aspect. But sometimes there's some things that are different from it, and there's sometimes some things that are similar um, on it. So uh, before we get into it, um, disobedience is defined as a refusal to comply, disregard, or transgressions. Um, But it does have different meanings at different ages. So, Corey, you probably could, uh, you know, when, when someone... When a parent tells you something as a young kid and you still do it, that's part of disobedience because you went against that word. How do you see it in different ages? Like a kid is easy because, you know, the punishment is you'll get talking to or you'll get spanked. But when you get as a teen and as an adult, sometimes the punishment gets laxed. Um, but sometimes the punishment could also be something else. Mm, yeah. So definitely, I agree with you that there there's a lot of uh, differences when it comes to the ages, um, you know, because like I have a three-year-old daughter, and I can tell her stuff all day, and she would look at me and be like, nope, you know, and I'm just like, little girl, if you don't do what I say, <laughs> you know, and so she will definitely challenge me, um, even though I'm doing stuff for her good, and that's, and I think that's one of the problems that, that well, I don't want to get ahead of the, the topic, but the things that we're being asked to do is for our good, you know? So even when I look at my three-year-old, I'm trying to tell you not to touch the outlet or not to touch the stove. It's for your good. It's for your protection, you know, but then they want to go ahead and challenge you and do it anyway, you know, and so there's the consequences. And unfortunately, many of us don't grow out of that. So we get to be adults and we still don't grow out of it. You know, don't touch the stove, you know, and it's just like, well, I want to touch the stove. That's what I want to do, you know, and we get to this point where the consequences are, are not weighty enough that cause us to fear, mm-hmm. you know, and so the consequences are not as great. And so therefore I take the risk in doing what I want to do, but, you know, but, but when the consequences outweigh, you know, outweigh it, then you'll be making the right choice. And and, and I think uh, I put on here, freedom of choice may not be free. And when it comes to that, that has to deal more with, for some people, you know, I don't care what you say, I'm going to be, you know, disobedient or I'm going to do what I want to. And because of free will, making that choice, it, it always seems that even though, you think what is right for you by being disobedient because you want it is not necessarily right for you because it always ends up that person coming back to you want right. to complain or want to talk about you know what happened to them because of the disobedience 
Well, I mean, so part of the thing is, is that there's consequences in the good as well as the bad. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you obey, there's a consequence that comes with the obedience. You know, if you disobey, there's a consequence that comes with disobedience. So either way, there is a consequence. And so, you know, is freedom of choice free? Um, freedom of choice, yes, it comes with a cost. It, it, it is free, but it comes with a cost, okay? So you have been given free will, all right, to be able to make the decisions you want. But just know that if you take this freedom of choice to choose this or to choose that, there's a consequence that comes. So freedom of choice makes you not be a robot. Mm-hmm. Okay? Should, okay? Robots don't have a free will. Yes. Robots, robots are programmed to make certain choices. Okay, to make all their choices. They're programmed. It's a program, you know, and we as human beings, we're not like that. That was the uniqueness of creation, that we are able to make a conscious choice um, that is supposed to be driven by love and life, you know, but we'll get into more of that later. But I'm just like, you know, yes, it, you do have freedom of choice, um, and that is free to choose whether you're going to suffer the consequences in this or reap the consequences in this. Did you think from a religious perspective, because um, you probably talk, uh, taught about disobedience at church, you know, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that some people feel like they're being told this when you're trying to minister to it? Because you, like you said earlier, you're doing it out of love and you're doing it for the good of them. But some, but some religious people be, be like... Uh, I don't know why pastor is telling me this. Like that disobedience is comes from a form of rebellion, in a sense. And does it make mm. it frustrating for pastors or like even for you? Yeah, I mean, I but I think if you are a person, a, a pastoral leader that is leading from a place of God's heart, mm-hmm. you don't. It's just like a person with kids. You don't want to see your child go down the wrong path. And so, therefore, it can be very frustrating to watch your child make poor choices, you know. And if they would only listen, you know, and it's just like, man, I mean, I'm trying to help you uh, to not experience this, this, uh, this consequence of your actions. So I've heard many young people say to me, well, I just want to learn my own thing. Well, I just want to learn it for myself. You know, mm-hmm. and literally, it's just like I know some people are just screaming out. No, the choice you get is about that you're about to make is going to lead to your demise. Yes. Well, I, well, I'm just going to go do my own thing. And yeah, that's pretty frustrating, especially when you've been down this road and you know what the consequences are. But everybody does have a free will, and that's why you know pastoral leaders should be praying. Not just giving instruction and telling people what to do, mm-hmm. but we ought to be praying that they catch a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because I've also seen it work where when I've said something to somebody and they don't immediately make the choice, but because of praying and just trusting God for that person, they end up coming back saying, man, I'm so glad I listened to you. Do you think that sometimes embarrassment and shame is a big thing in, in just human life? You know, people 
have this attitude of disobedience and then what they think doesn't turn out right after they've been disobedient, they have a feeling of embarrassment and shame. And so when they have to return to that person and everything, you know, you see the body movements. You see the head going down. You see the eyes look some way. They, they, they come to you in a whole different manner. Like you could, you could tell their tone is different. Like, why does that happen a lot? So, I mean, the consequences of your actions bring about shame. It puts more chains on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so when, when people come into a spiritual journey with God, God wants to break people free from those chains. Yes. Okay. Coming into a relationship with God means the breaking free of all the mess. Okay. But see, in our disobedience, we end up compiling more and more mess on us. Okay. And so, yeah, the consequences can bring the shame. The consequences can bring the disappointment. Consequences can bring the hurt. Consequences can bring the abuse. And so, yeah, for some people, they don't quit until they, they're tired of being beat up. And I've, I've put on here on my notes, uh, speaking from a religious perspective versus a secular perspective. And mm-hmm. like that, that perspective of embarrassing, like, in, in religion, there's forgiveness. We know that is a big key. Regardless if you feel embarrassed or shame, God forgives. That's that's one of the key things we tell and, you know, people know. But not a lot of people in the secular world get that. They, they mm-hmm. fear that that person that they go to won't forgive them. Or, right. they, or they'll be cut off because they're, they're scared to admit that they were right. And everything, mm. you know, yeah. Like, how do how do you see it? Like, is it is it hard as a pastor to see like a secular person not not fully realize what forgiveness is? In a yeah. So, so when uh, when somebody does not know who Jesus is, and and so an unbeliever um, will continually try and mask the hurt. Mm-hmm. Or they're continually going to try and find something to plug the hole. So every time that there's this place of disobedience or shame or hurt or abuse, it's just created another hole in the life, another hole in the life. Mm-hmm. And so now you're spending your time trying to plug the holes, okay? And, and, it's, and the unfortunate thing is that sometimes the holes are coming faster than you can put plugs in them. Okay, and so for a person that's an unbeliever, they get tired, and to to to, to the point of of medicating, yes. to the point of drug addiction, to the point of of alcoholism, to the point of being becoming abusive to others, to the point of of, of depression, and eventually trying to take their own life. And some people, which is, some people may argue, well, what about therapy? You know, going going to therapy and. It, and sometimes, if like you just, there are people, some people who could go to therapy, pay all that money, get all this help, and still not trust the therapist mm-hmm. because they believe that they could get themselves out. But because mm-hmm. of that disobedience and that fear and that shame and and doing all of these things to solve it, it doesn't always work out that way. Right. And, and so let me, let me, let me, 
Come let, with bring, word. let me bring the word into this. Okay, so um, as you were talking, one of the things that even with a therapist that 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 they can't solve is the sin problem. You know, and and I have to go to Romans, okay, and and even in Romans, and and I know many times people have really had an issue with the language in Romans one, mm-hmm. but honestly. This is the problem with the world today. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. This is Romans one chapter, Romans chapter one, verse eighteen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So, in other words, there's a truth that's known to all of us, but it's suppressed. Yes, it's being it's being uh it's being hidden. In other words, we don't want to deal with God. Because we want to run our own life, and so therefore, I'm trying to suppress the truth. And so, a therapist can only take people so far. Yeah. Because a therapist is not God. Yes. And so, a therapist can ask the questions and try and dig and dig and dig, and and they can touch some stuff, but they can't get down to the the deep issue. Is that I'm gonna have to reconcile with God? Okay. And, and so, therefore, people go through life not wanting to deal with God. Because if I, if I have to deal with God, that means I got to obey. That means I got to surrender my choices, my life, you know. And it's not, I shouldn't say that, not my choices. Surrender my will to the Lord and will to do what he wants. Yes. Okay? And so, people don't want that. You know, so yeah, they'll pay all that money, and it's just like, no, the deeper issue is that my sin is that I don't want to have anything to do with God. I want to be okay with my own life. I don't want to have to deal with God. It says here, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Yes. So he's not talking about Christians right here. He's talking about people in the world, unbelievers. Everything that's known about God is evident to them. Okay? So, therefore, if... Here, we'll use Simba. Okay? (laughs) Simba is evident to me. I see Simba, but I don't want to have nothing to do with Simba. But Simba is always there. Okay? But I don't want to have nothing to do with him. I'll be like, ah, I don't see you. I don't see you. I don't see you. And God is just like, no, I'm here. I've been here. You see me in the mountain ranges. You see me in the weather. You see me in the beauty of this world. You see me in the beauty of others. But yet you still don't want to acknowledge me. And that's where the deep issue is. And no therapist can fix that. Yeah. Very, very No therapist. You know? And so the, the, the deep sin of the world is the fact that I don't want to acknowledge God as Lord. That's the deep center of the world. It's uh, some people feel this may be a little bit out of top, off the topic. Some people feel. Oh, 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 oh. Some people feel that when it comes to, uh, I guess sometimes. Oh uh, yes. Oh, something <laughs> going on with the mic. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, some some people feel that because of where they grew up. And how they view religion and how religion has treated them, um, they have a disregard for God, and, and and it's more to do with the interpretations of humans 
of what they try to place God to be to them instead of that person going out to seek God for themselves. So if there's a lot of things that a lot of humans have done to a person, they that's when some some of the disbelief sometimes happens. And plus, the parents are not taking their kid to church, or that might be also a part of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's weird to see, you know, just a lot of people that I talk to who, you know, view God in certain aspects and some people who don't believe in, in everything. And it, it kind of amazes me to get their opinion on where did it birth from? Like, where did this come from? And there's always been many reasons. And it's always the first one that a lot of people say is because of what the people in church and some of the people around that uh, in church have done to me as a person. Yeah, Eddie, and you are so right. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of church hurt that's out there, okay? Because um, I, I want to say that churchdom is not God's kingdom. Yes. Okay? <laughs> so there's a lot of people that have really... Uh, sunken their feet into uh, church culture, okay, in the name of God, but church culture has actually replaced God. Yes. And so therefore, church culture now becomes the standard for how people are supposed to live. And so when sinners come and don't meet the church culture standard, okay, the response of the church culture is, to, to you know, throw them away, to walk all over them, to talk about them, to you know, to to try and discipline them and rope them back in, and you know, and and try and make them you know assimilate to church culture, but that's not what God called the church to do. Okay, God called the church to equip the saints, okay, for the work of the ministry, okay, to equip them uh, in in knowing who God is, and so the Holy Spirit will teach people how to obey. And see, that's what we miss. The church sometimes wants to be the Holy Spirit in trying to make people obey. Yes. Okay? But obedience is a revelation that can only come from God. Yes. And as you're growing in the scriptures, that's what changes you. I can sit there and tell you till you blew in the face. No, you need to stop smoking. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop smoking. You know, but the thing is, until the Spirit of God begins to work in you to stop smoking, you're always going to be returning to that. And you can put as many rules on yourself as possible. But until there's a change of heart, mm-hmm. there won't be any change. Okay. And nobody can deal with the heart but the heart creator. <laughs> yes, which kind of leads into the next part, does the punishment justify? I put, uh, when the consequences has no effect on the persons or the situation, a disobedience in the church might need prayer, but it's the gossip among members. Now, I'm going to start right there. Okay, so when I say that the consequences has no effect on the person, it's kind of like they disobey, but what they sometimes think is going to be a, like a really bad or good thing comes out. They sometimes don't realize, oh, I got away with it. Nothing's happened to me. So I feel like I'm able to do this again. And the consequences is is the repeated 
offense in a sense. And when yeah. when it comes to church, though, you know, some people some people like disobedience because it's something that they could gossip about, gossip about in the church. So they're not worried about or they're not worried about like the forgiveness. They're not worried about this and that. If they could talk to uh, Sister Betty and Sister Hat about this, about what this member or this person did, it makes good gossip for them. And it's and it's like, why do some people do that? You know, you know, why do some people? Let's let's touch on the consequences first. If there's no consequence that affects them, why do you think they keep continue to repeat it? Do they keep doing it until they get caught? Um, and that's their reason to do it because they're they think they they could just get away with it forever, or do you think like they'll they'll do it, see what they get out of it, and then hold it in the back, and if it ever comes happens again that they need to do something, they'll be disobedient because they feel like they'll get away with it. I mean, I think it's because the consequences don't hold enough weight for them. You know, I mean, you're not going to put your hand on the stove that's burning. Yes. You know, because you know the consequences is I'm going to get burned. You know. For some, but people, they'll be, for some people, they'll be like, I don't got medical insurance and I can't get the Walgreens to bandage myself up. Trust me, there have <laughs> been people who have done that. Yeah, I mean, and then you've got young people, you know, maybe maybe older people, I don't know, but then you've got young people that will sit there and play with the fire, you know, and, you know, have it turned up and see how far they can get. And that's what happens in life. We see how far we can get mm-hmm. before the consequences are too much. Okay? And so we as humans, we're constantly trying to push the letter of what we want to do, you know, and and – before it becomes too much. And I've seen that in my own personal life where I've, you know, I pushed the letter on, on trying to have my own way, you know, and I'm just like, nah, these consequences will be too much if I continue. But I, the Holy Spirit is working in me to really work out the pieces. That's why I love having the Holy Spirit on my side because I don't know any better. If it was left up to me, Believe me, there'd be a whole bunch of people messed up because of me. Mm. Okay? But the Holy Spirit, because I want to hear and I want God to lead me, okay? So I'm praying and listening so that that I don't have to suffer the consequences of bad decisions. Yes. Because the Holy Spirit wants to always lead me into the good. Always lead me. And so the Holy Spirit will wrestle with me in dreams, will wrestle with me in, in, in thoughts and visions, you know, about if I make this choice, these are the potential consequences. If I go on and do what I want to do in this, these are the potential consequences of what's going to happen. See, the Holy Spirit is awesome because he will bring conviction, okay? And if you're listening, he will guide you, Okay. So even look, even through this pandemic, and I know we're going to end up getting there too, but even <laughs> through this pandemic, some of the decisions that are being made, the Holy Spirit is very much wise, okay? And, and he is speaking. And for those that want the way of God, okay, they're going to 
to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. They're going to hear the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It's not the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that's going to direct them in the right path. So therefore, before I even make the decision, the Holy Spirit's already dealing with me in my heart and in my mind about my motives, about my, my, my why am I doing this? Why would I want to do this? Okay? And helping me count the cost. Because even, even Jesus said this, look, you've got to count the cost. Take up your cross and follow me. But understand this, count the cost. You're going to have to leave everybody else behind. Count the cost. Oh, you want to go bury your, your daddy? You, you can't follow me. You need to go bury your daddy. You, want to t- now, you said you want to follow me. Count the cost. You know, but sometimes we don't want to count the cost. Yes. You know, and even when those choices come, man, I tell you, sometimes the choices that we have in life, I, I, I'll give a very practical one. I remember um, I, there was a recording deal, a recording deal for me as, a, as an artist that was coming up, Okay. And I remember the guy was pumping my head, was just like, oh, yeah, you're, you're a good singer. We can do this for you, X, Y, and Z. You know, we'll take you here and, other, and everything like that. And, and as an artist, that kind of pulls on your pride, you know, mm-hmm. because it pulls on the string. You know, he's stroking you a little bit and he's just like, hmm, yeah, hmm, hmm, money, oh, yes. You know, and so it kind of pulls on you, okay? But after I hung up the phone, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go. Because I told the guy, I'll call you back. And the Holy Spirit would not let me go. I kept churning that thing over and over. I talked to Shani about it, my wife, you know, and, and just churning it over and over and over. But the Holy Spirit was wrestling with me. because, And one of the things that he said is, there's a work that you are doing in this Waukegan area, in this Lake County area, and if you make this choice, all that work that you've been doing is going to suffer. Mm. So I ended up calling the guy back, and I told the guy, I cannot go with you. He must have just blasted me and was just like, I can't believe you're going to pass up this opportunity. Man, why would you? It just sounds dumb to me. Why would you pass up? And I'm like, dude, I'm, look, I'm good. The Holy Spirit then spoke. I'm okay. I don't need your approval. I don't need nobody else's approval. The Holy Spirit then said what needed to be said. And click. <laughs> I mean, because what else is there? You know, I've had, I had to wrestle through the potential consequences. So I hadn't even made, the, made, made a choice. But, but God tells us, count the cost. And so in, in any of the things that we're, we're encountering, we should always be counting the cost of our consequences. Now, so why, so when it comes to church, church members gossiping about someone disobeying, and, you know, they finding out and stuff, what, what happens there? Like, what did you, what is supposed to happen? Uh, and even if, even for any anyone who doesn't believe in the secular world, like if you do something that's that's that was kind of not good for you, and people find out, and the gossip around the town starts happening, like what happens? Like what are you supposed to do? Oh, <laughs> you can't be that and not know. 
You know, because one of the things is, is it's easy to throw shade on somebody else when your stuff is raggedy. Yes. And that's what gossiping does. Okay? It, it, it takes advantage of people at their expense. Okay? And so, therefore, as long as I'm throwing enough shade off of me, then y'all don't have time to pay attention to what's going on with my stuff. So if we get a good piece of information, you know what I'm talking about. You get a good piece of information, it's just like people will start to ride on that information because now it doesn't make, it doesn't seem like what I'm doing is so bad. So therefore, let me just start spreading this and watch this person go through, you know, that way I don't have to. So, and sometimes it's in honor of righteousness. It's in honor of trying to be right. And it's just like, you jumped out your Christianity trying, to, to gossip. You trying to you trying to blast this person, and I've heard so many stories, and, and particularly when it comes to pregnancy, okay, to to unwed mothers. Oh yeah. Okay, young ladies that be getting pregnant before getting married. Okay, and I've heard many stories of how uh, these young ladies were just blasted and talked about it. And, and told to sat down and they can't do nothing else. Da, 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 da. And, and some of these people that are spreading these rumors um, are, are some of the same people that's doing other stuff, you know, that they ain't got no business. Now, the Bible tells us it, he who wants mercy needs to be merciful. Yes. So if, if I'm a person that's got a lot of mess going on in my life, I need to shut my mouth. I don't need to be talking about nobody. Holy Spirit puts you on blast and see what happens. Ooh, that's and that's where part of the shame also comes from. Like if if, if you sometimes if you blast somebody for their disobedience, it's gonna come and bite you. Uh, it's gonna come and bite you back. Yeah, I mean the, the scriptures, and I think this is the one. I'm gonna try and see if I got the right one. Uh, Matthew nine. Mm, Jesus says here, but I go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay? So he's just like, look, there's so much stuff going on in people's life. I didn't come here to, to, to deal with, you know, calling the righteous. If you sitting there topping the horn that, oh, we're, we do the right thing. We're better. Da, da, da. I didn't come for you. I came for the per- people that didn't do right that are really suffering with the fact that, man, I've made a lot of bad choices. Is it proper to say, uh, I come that you might have life more abundantly or that doesn't <laughs> I, Now, let me tell you something. I, I, I had a chance to, uh, to really share on that word. Um, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the thing is, the abundance of life is found in Jesus. And so all the restoration that we need, all the coming up out of the shame, coming up out of, mm-hmm. that's life. But see, shame and fear and, and doubt and, and abuse, all of that stuff is made to consume. Okay? That stuff will choke you. Eddie, I know that, I know you've lived a little bit, you know, that you've gone through some of this stuff, that that stuff becomes suffocating. Yeah. Okay. And even for anybody that's listening to this podcast, look, stuff like this will suffocate you. 
and no drug, no alcohol, no no uh, relationship, none of this stuff is going to be able to pull you out. In fact, when you start adding all these elements, you be you begin to put yourself on a fast track towards demise. It's almost just like your uh, it's like your Houdini um, that's going down in the water, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with a with a big uh, uh, stone that's carrying you straight to the bottom. Okay, because none of this stuff is life. You're not living when you constantly have to face uh, the abuse, the fear, the the shame. You're not living. Mm-mm. You're not. Li- you're just making it. You're just making it every day, trying to. To, to put on a smile. You're just making it every day. And, and it's hard. Waking up every day trying to figure out how, how, how I can um, even face the very people that, that say they love me. You know, and, and that's hard. And people suffer with that really bad. You know, but Jesus said, I came that you might have life. So the one that can bring about the change is Jesus. And we ain't talking about church. We're not talking about um, just a building with a name called Jesus on it. Ooh. Jesus on the Southern Rock Missionary Church of God in Christ on the fifth ward of the Baptist uh, frame. The eighth ward. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about a real relationship with Jesus. Okay. Yes. And that relationship is, is something that is built on the inside because the, the, the deep work is on the inside, okay? And, and we're spending so much time trying to make up the outside, trying to, trying to do all these good things in life so that we can make it seem like we're okay. But as soon as you start pulling that stuff, as soon as you crack a little bit, all of a sudden it starts to reveal all the hurt and all the mess. And, when, and especially when it comes to, uh, comes to gossip, people will gossip to a point that the person that is being gossiped about is going to crack. And when they crack, they're gonna hurt a lot of people. And, and before, like even the gossip, just even within church or within the world, do you think that people don't think about these things in a moral aspect or like an ethic? Like, like if you're a person, why? Why would they? We live in a world with no moral compass. So why would they? We live in a world where there is no there there is no regard for a God who is moral. That's the problem. I want, I want to be able to make my own choices. If I, want to, if I want to hit somebody in the face, if I want to yell at them, I, you know, if I want to make them feel bad, I should be all right doing that. And what, why do you think that? What happened? What changed for us not to have? What do you mean? Huh? Adam and Eve. Oh. There, it, there's never been a time when this was right. That's why Jesus had a lot of work to do when he was on the earth. And that's why it took him to gather 12. And if you remember, even amongst the 12, there was still one. Yeah. That was, that was disobedient and wanted to make his own thing. And, and, and so even the ones that are close to Jesus are even challenged. And Jesus even says in the last days, he's still going to do a separation of the sheep and the goats. So even in the church... <laughs> there's, there's going to be a separation of those who were walking for a long time doing church culture mm-hmm. but weren't really in relationship with Jesus but they were in the church they dressed real good they 
they shouted, you know, they played that right note, you know, and, and, and at, at that cue, you know, they cried, they rolled all over seats and, and all of that, but there was never really a relationship with Jesus. And I can't judge that. That's something that the Holy Spirit is going to judge. Well, we'll get on to this last part. Uh, religion sees it as sinful, while some may see it as a characteristic. And, and this is uh, speaking about disobedience. Mm. Could you, do you agree with that? That, okay, just religious people see it as, you know, this is a sinful thing to do, while some people who might be secular in the world just be like, you know, that's that person. That's that characteristic. Not more, not such their personality, <laughs> but that's that Are you trying to say, oh, that's just how I am, and you're going to have to deal with it? <laughs> I'm just using that as an example. I'm not. No, but, but right. But see, when somebody is just like, well, that's just how they are. We just don't accept them. And, and that's, a, that's a real uh, a response from, from unbelievers, too. It's just like, yeah, that's just how he is. You know, we just, we just deal with them. You know, that's how we see that in our family. Yes. You know, we accept, you know, that's Cousin Joe. You know, Cousin Joe, he just, he just be drinking all the time, you know. So, hey, that's just how he is. Okay. Uh, but that's. Still, there's still a deep problem of sin, whether you're religious or not. And so what, what people in the world may miss is that ultimately there is a moral authority in the world, okay? And everybody, according to the Word of God, is going to have to face that moral authority. So let's jump on the games, for example, okay? There's always some type of moral standard. Okay, mm-hmm. that that has to be attained, especially if you're in the fantasy games of, you know, trying to take over a kingdom or different things like that. Okay, and in some of those takeovers, sometimes unrighteousness is used to try and, and take over a, a, a kingdom. Okay, but still there's a moral standard of that kingdom that says, hey, we don't do this to our people. We don't, we don't, we have standards. We have different ways of doing stuff. So everybody has a standard. Which which we'll get into later on because but but this just this, this just goes to your point about the whole thing about sinful versus characteristic yeah yeah there's a standard okay that that everybody has and that's why it said in the book of Romans like I said everybody has to come to this place of God has always shown Himself whether you've want, wanted Him to or not so there is a moral standard so it's the the element of sin. It's always going to be sin, regardless if you know him or not, okay? And so there are characteristics that follow sin, but the ultimate problem is sin, okay? So it's, it doesn't matter that it's, it's uh, the Christian culture that sees it as sinful. Mm-hmm. It's just sin. you just disobedient. I mean, these mamas with these baby kids, they know. <laughs> you know, these kids, it's not characteristic. It's just plain sin. You're just bad. Wow. You know, and sometimes we teach in church, you know, with the young kids that sin is the bad things that we do. Well, who has the who has the standard for what's bad? Well, the Bible. You know, and there are some parents that don't know what the Bible says, but yet they can identify this is a little bad boy. Or this is a little bad girl. So everybody has some type of standard. Mm-hmm. And and that's why that's where like the morals and the ethics come in because it's just like regardless if you are a religious person or not you should always have some morals and 
that should at least play a, a little part in of not being disobedient. If you know that you wouldn't do something like this to another person and you feel mm. like that's a moral that you stand on, then you just don't do that. In a general but sense. See, but see, even you know the scriptures, uh, Eddie. You know, there's a scripture in, in the see, Romans 3.10. It says, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Okay, and even in the book of Psalms, uh, let me see what this one said in the book of Psalms. Uh, this is Psalm, excuse me, chapter, oh, there it is, chapter 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. Um, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. But all have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Hmm. Now that's from the book of Psalm. I didn't say that. That's 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 the word of God. Okay, and the word of God is sitting here saying is that there is no one that does good. You could try. So even if you do, even if you do have a moral compass of you saying you saying something is good, the Bible says our goodness is as filthy rags before the Lord. So whatever we say is good, it still doesn't even match the holy God. Yes, correct. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, nah, it's all right. Man. No, no, go ahead, preach, preach. Say what you gotta say. Cause we, <laughs> we're gonna get into because because this this party is going to lead into the next part where uh, when the lead don't take heed. Mm. And this is being the example of not to disobey, or being the example of not to disobey. So, um, Leadership, whether it's past or politician or parent, should know what not to do. Um, and, for example, the pastor who died for disobeying the law of having to stay at home, you know, about the coronavirus. The other pastor who got arrested and people who found workarounds from it. Um, even, even with the protest stuff that's going on right now, it's just like there are certain acts that people are doing to show disobey for something that's going to save their lives and when leaders are when leaders are being an example of being disobedient uh it it gives you a different uh portrayal of of kind of religion of of having a second life or just that person like what makes it hard for people to just obey and when it's definitely leaders that need to obey what what makes you think that what what made them disobey as leaders mm, yeah and i i think there's many different factors that contribute to that you know um sometimes it's fear you know sometimes they're driven by the fact that they don't want to lose um, the the constituencies that they 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 work for they don't want to lose those voices or those votes you know um, there's the issue of even money you know that hey if I make this decision you know uh, then this group won't contribute to my campaign or whatever you know and, and I've even heard different political leaders talking about you know we're doing it for the good of the people. You know, and, and so just following along with what the crowd would say, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and, and I don't want to belittle any decision that any type of leader has, because being a leader is hard. You know, being, being a leader over groups of people, being a, being a politician, man, I, 
I'm telling you, that's a that's a tough job. Well, it you well, know, I think definitely with you being a pastor, you being a leader, there's a lot of stuff that you are not going to do that you're not supposed to do because you are you are over a congregation. You and Jason are over a congregation. We're politicians. It, it, by politicians, they say one thing and do another, and so it's it becomes it it, it doesn't become that you're serving the people. It becomes about your ego and how you look, yeah. and that's kind of the I think that's the difference between pastors. Like they don't if if they do something not they're not doing it for a look, you know, and you know good and well you you have made an oath to God to serve the people. And that's one of the roles, for example, that is supposed to be there. Politicians, you think that that's their role, but it's not. When it comes to even the parents, you are supposed to guide your children and other family members or, you know, your very own family in the right way. But, but you, you know, you can't tell somebody that, you're not supposed to be cheating on your boyfriend, and then you got uh, you got your sugar daddy coming to pick you up at six p.m. for a dinner date, or mm. you know you supposed to be you supposed to be you know you have your one wife and y'all supposed to love and everything, uh, but the but Shaniqua from another church be like meet me at Red Lobster, and you like you on your way to go meet her at Red Lobster, and stuff like that happens. And you are a leader for a church, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, these issues are very much real, you know, whether it's in the church or whether it's out in politics or whether you are the president of a company. You know, uh, these re- issues are real. And so, therefore, it comes down to this place of um, who do you serve? You know, because like you said, I made an oath to God. Well, that... That, yeah, my job is to serve the people, but my oath is to God. My my devotion is to Him, and so you know I have to live a way to please God. And mm-hmm. in doing that, I end up becoming an example for the people. Okay, but if you are living to uh, you're living to an oath that's your standard, then you're going to be making uh, choices that are for your benefit as well as for others. Okay, and so, you know, I I look at um, our governor, for one thing, you know, and many people have uh, different ideas about, you know, the leadership of our governor and whatnot. And um, but he's got so many hard decisions that he's making every single day for the state of Illinois. Uh, He's facing critics all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I tell you, I wouldn't even want to be in his position, you know, but there are choices that he's going to have to make. And these choices, and I don't know about his relationship with God, whether he has one or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I'm just using that as an example because he's out in the limelight. Okay? And I even heard him say uh, a couple of days ago that he's got two kids. So, okay, so there's, it, there's decisions that are even impacting your kids. You know, as you sit at the table with a whole bunch of other leaders to make decisions for the state of Illinois – you know, there's different things that you're doing. But I've also heard him, you know, make strong criticism of, you know, the commander in chief. All right. Over the airwaves. 
And I'm just like, ooh. You know, uh, there's, I know in the kingdom of God, whether the leader is good or not, <laughs> the Bible says, touch not my anointed. Okay? Because even Pharaoh was put in place by God. Okay? And so God is the one who elevates and God's the one who takes away. So whether I'm in agreement with Trump or not, I'm still not going to badmouth him. Okay? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and see, and that's one of the things that, that we don't see sometimes even in churchdom. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's a lot of pastors that are disobediently badmouthing, you know, leadership. Well, it's, but the Bible speaks definitely to it, that, that it's just like, look, you need to be praying for him, not talking about it. It, it becomes one thing to, you know, yes, that is true. But it becomes one thing when the leader continues to do something that is not acceptable. And it becomes another thing when that person who's not doing acceptable affects other people in the world that starts doing other things that are destructive. As Eddie, so, I have no gripe with what you're saying right now. As, I, I, I have no gripe with it. But so, that was Pharaoh too. And yes. And so even though prayer is is the thing to do and that varies on different people, if the leader himself is not praying, what like what does that say especially when you i think especially when you for example um his the the front the president his wife um has this thing you know about bullying and everything and when the command uh commander chief is on social media and on live tv <laughs> saying disrespectful and and doing things that's kind of disobedient, it goes against the principle of no bullying. So why, why is that? Why is that as a leader? You know, and once once again, it's a pride ego thing. Why is that allowed? Like the first lady is not stopping him or saying anything, but you want other people in the world to do something, to to say something, um, or or be. Be in a way that you're more respectful, that you're not bullying stuff, and mm-hmm. you're allowing this one person. Because I even put on, I even put on here, um, what members overlook or walk away from, you know, and and that's the thing where it's just like what people, if your if the leader is still doing things that it shouldn't be accepted, why are people overlooking that? So that allows what you accept for disobedience and mm-hmm. what you won't accept for disobedience. If this person who is a leader could be uh, disrespectful and disobedient and you allow that, mm-hmm. that, provides, that provides an example for others and even your kids who see that, that they also could be disobedient because you allow the leader to do it. So in, in reality, it's a one-on-one ratio. If the leader does it, I'm able to do it. And you should just allow both of since you're allowing one to do it, you should allow me to do it. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, and I and I hear you, Eddie. I mean that it, there's no excuse for you know leadership that is irresponsible. Um, but I know that God has a a desire for His people. To even suffer well, mm-hmm. okay. 
And so we have leadership in America that is, you know, talking out of two ends, you know, and, and it's, and it's inconsistent, you know, and, and it's not right. The, the one thing that I think got a lot of people, definitely a lot of the black kids at the, the Christian university, when Trump was running, he was comparing the Bible is as good as his book. And it was just like, wait a minute, this right now, you just show vain being in vain and that's one thing you're not supposed to do at all especially when you're at a christian school speaking to these kids who are maybe become ministers or something in the church you compare when you compare the bible is as good as your book Hmm. that's that's just give you a glimpse of oh we about to we about to endure some foolishness some, some craziness. Okay, Pastor, go ahead. Give us the word. Look, so, so this is the letter in uh, Jeremiah 29. And this was a letter that was sent to the, the exiles. Now, let me just set it up for people that don't know the Bible. Um, the children of Israel, children of Judah, they were disobedient. Mm-hmm. And because of their disobedience, they were exiled from the land. Okay? And so a, a greater enemy came in, okay, captured the people, captured the sons and the daughters that captured the princesses and the princes and, uh, and, and brought them into captivity into Babylon. Okay. So they're scared. They're in Babylon. They're just, you know, their whole culture has been just completely torn apart. Okay. Families have been torn apart. Um, it's just a very bad situation. And yet in Jeremiah 29, 29, chapter 29, God speaks to the prophet and sends this letter to the exiles. And I'm going to start here in verse 4. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he tells them. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Take wives and become the father of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give daughters to your husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and not decrease. Check number seven. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. Hmm. (laughs) So you mean to tell me that in the midst of the foolishness that of a, of a leader that I serve, I'm still supposed to pray for this place and, and seek the welfare of this place? Yeah. Yep, it's the upside-downness of the kingdom of God. Okay? Because technically, we've got a leader that, like I said, speaks out of both ends. And so how can we trust? How can we stay with? You know, even some people are saying that in churches where they're at, where the leader is doing, you know, some of the same stuff. But see, but God says, if you seek the, excuse me, if you seek the welfare for that place, watch me bring welfare to you. Hello. Mm -hmm. But if you become the problem in that place, watch how many more problems come upon you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because I was going to ask, like, it... Is it hard for people to do that because they may get to uh, 
they may get to a point where they just like uh, they had enough. I'm tired. Yes. Yep. 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 I'm tired. I give up. I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and I would say, yeah, if you look in the book of Psalms, there's a whole bunch of cases of that. I'm tired of these folks. You need to come and destroy them. You need to come and kill them. They chasing after me. I don't know why. You, I, why it seems like you done left me to die. That, this is all through the book of Psalms. Yet, in the same chapters, they turn around and say, but I trust you guys. You know, I know I done went off and, <laughs> and said a lot of crazy foolishness. <laughs> I had had some let words. Me back, but, but let me get back to my place. And so there's a place for you to feel like that you, you know, I'm tired, I, I, I quit, but that's when the body of Christ comes together and comforts one another and say, hey, stay in this, stay in this journey. You know, hey, let me come alongside you and, and just feed you some hope. God has got us, you know, and that's where people like me come into play with that gift of encouragement. Mm-hmm. It's like if, even in the midst of despair, let me encourage you to keep doing it God's way. It, it, I know it don't make sense. And sure enough, in our humanity, it doesn't make sense at all, you know, but God has a plan. And he goes on to say in Jeremiah 29, because I'm getting to the one that we always quote, but here's verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your uh, diviners deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now, I'm not even finished, but right there, he lets you know that there are deceivers even amongst leaders. Yes. And, and you got to be wise enough not to put your confidence in them. And and I I I think when like that pastor died or that one pastor who some of the pastors <clears throat> who still want to bring people to their church even though this pandemic is going going on like you do a fantastic job you you're preaching from home everybody you, if you got the internet go ahead and watch it other than that turn on the radio and hear something my mom is busting like bt i think in the morning and i'm just like okay i'm about to turn to the right because yeah, I, I gotta be at work soon but it's like there's ways to to still be able to worship and still able to get the word of god without endangering your people so when leaders are going against other leaders because they think that you know God got us and trusting God and stuff. And it's just like, I understand that. But they have placed the order. And, you know, we kind of got to follow this order. We we got to follow the law that has been placed mm-hmm. upon us. If we go against that law, that's almost like going against the word of God, in a sense. Yep. So Romans 13, you hit it right on the, right on the uh, head. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authority, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed uh, will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no, uh, excuse me, do you want to have no fear of authority? Do you want 
do you um, do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So even the word of God speaks to the fact that this is an ordinance. Obey those who are in authority. This is an ordinance that comes from God. Obey those that are in authority. And in this time, we have technology where, like I said, you still can worship. You can stay at home, but you can have all your pajamas and your shirt. They, the speaker's not going to know. But, but, and, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. You know, uh, even for us, this was a very uh, much a group decision of not having service. Mm-hmm. Because even with us, we're just like, you know, we, we do want to trust God and we want to, you know, uh, know that, hey, no evil can stand against us. And, you know, <laughs> and, and very much, you know, everything within us is like we want to stand on the truth of God's word. But then on the flip side, it was just like, but the governing authorities have deemed that we all need to stay at home. And so if we're going to be a good witness to the world, mm-hmm. then why don't we show that we can humble ourselves and be in subject to the authorities? You know, and, and the thing is, I understand that, look, this is a pathway all on to the persecution of the church. Believe me. I, we ain't stupid. <laughs> True. Yes. This, this, look, if, if you've been around church long enough, you know that at the end of days, the church is going to be persecuted more and more and more. So what's happening right now is a clear sign. I mean, I, I saw this report in, in, uh, uh, in the upstate California that they don't want, uh, <clears throat> they don't want anybody singing worship music. On the on the on the uh, YouTube or not YouTube on the um, on the feed on the live feed, they don't want nobody doing worship. What okay? do you want the Lord to say? <laughs> you know, and they say, and, and here's what the government is saying. So, so the government is is it was saying that it's because when you are singing, okay, you have the potential to spray. You know, and and that's true. You know, anybody that is sung, you know, behind me may have gotten a little bit of, you know, residue on their back of their neck or, you know, or if I've directed them, the tenants have gotten a little residue. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so, I mean, so I, I get it, you know, the potential of, you know, the spread of the virus amongst even a small group that's gathered together, you know, it, it can happen, you know, but yet. They're going to put a fine on anybody that just continues to do their worship, you know. And I'm like, wow, more and more persecution coming. And now, because of the choices, uh, you know, in Florida of, of pastors that continue to hold service and now pastors are being arrested. So you get some foolish leader in another state that's just like, hmm. So we arresting pastors now, and they are, and and to give clarification about the pastor being arrested, it's because he defied the order of to stay at home. They didn't say that he couldn't have service online. He could have service online. Everybody could be in a Zoom meeting or whatever, and be able to still be able to worship and everything. 
He just said, do not bring your people together and have service. You have disobeyed what we have said, so we are placing you under arrest. And this is a high right. $10 bill. So he, they didn't stop them from having service online. He, he, right. They stopped them from having service with other people because of the spread of the virus. Right. You know, but there's still a bigger picture here. Like I said, you have mankind who who is sinful and wants to just deny all things God. Well, you got people that are in political offices that don't want to have nothing to do with God at all. And so therefore, let me let me take the example of what happened in Florida. If I have an opportunity to really just finally squelch the voice of religion, squelch the voice of, you know, especially Christianity by being able to arrest some of these pastors, oh man, this is all this is all the fuel I needed. So there's a bigger picture here that is is opening up the door even more for the return of Jesus, you know, because the church is about to be persecuted more and more and more, you know, and there's no telling what this is going to look like even after this whole thing is lifted. You know, for many of us, we know church is not going to be the same. Uh, it is not. A lot of people feel like life in general is not going to be in this, be the same. You're right. Like, it is. For example. So in Florida, saying with Florida, they opened a beach up, and they said three—I think about three million people was at the beach, and it was just like, you know, there's a high case of this virus, and y'all going there to get a suntan or whatever. I'm not doing it. I'm a. If it don't cost me to use my gas, if it if it's if it's keeping me alive in the house. Quarantine is still going to continue for me. (laughs) If I have to leave the house, I'm going to get something to eat or I'm getting the essentials and I'm going to come back. I'm not going outside to go get no Starburst and come back. No, 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 no. (laughs) So, but we're going to continue on uh, because all of this plays a part in video games and um, choices in games. And uh, certain video games allow choice for their characters. Um, fictional disobedience versus real obe- uh, disobedience. Um, and <coughs> there's, a, there's a game called Mass Effect. Um, and this is like a sci-fi. What's it called? What's it called? Mass Effect. M-A-S-S-E-F-F-E-C-T. Um, and this is by a company called Bioware and published by EA. They got three, get four games out. And the first three games is very like it's a sci-fi kind of role-playing game where you create your character and throughout the adventure you choose who you want to uh, come with you and you have uh, right choice uh, you make choices to be good or evil. So um, it's a really big game and our series in the video game community. And there's been other games where you get to have a choice. Uh, some open world games that. Um, it allows you to do whatever you want. So if you want to run over a crowd of people, you can. And the consequences is is that you got to just deal with the police. And if you die, you lose some money and restart. So in video games, you are allowed, in certain video games, I should say, you are allowed to make choices. Other times, if it's very linear, like you got to play by the game's rules and the story, you don't really have mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of choice. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to ask you about as a as a person, um, 
if you were given the opportunity to play these games and you had to make choices, good or evil, um, do you do you think that you could justify your choice and live with it? And if you have to make an evil choice, are you? Is it because you was curious to make it, or do you wanted to see? Uh, what power it offers you because there's a game also a game called infamous where you could stop the bad guys and do good stuff and be blue or you could take the energy from the people and turn red and be you could be all powerful but you're evil or you could be Mm -hmm. weak but yet you're still good yeah and and just uh just to put this out there, you know, I am no authority whatsoever when it comes to comes to video games. In fact, um, video games just wasn't even a part of our makeup when we were growing up for me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brother yet is is highly into video games now, but um, I, I just never took hold, you know. And I think that even I didn't even have a gaming system in my house until you know Jamie was living with me. You know, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and he brought his PS2. You know, and we we got that in the house. And I think we had a, that first game we had was like James Bond or something like that. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, go bring this mess up in here." You know, <laughs> killing folks and different things. Just you know, just no regard for humanity. No regard. <laughs> Oh, I would love yeah, to see you at what, what, what game was that? It's it, it's that it was that get, murder game and the stealing of the cars. Which one? Grand Theft Auto. That? Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. That's when that one started coming out, and and that was like the talk of the town. Boy, I tell you, you know, and because it was a it was a game where there was no consequences whatsoever, you know, and it's just the devalue of humanity, and and you crush people, you steal their stuff, and I'm like. Wow. But that was the that's the open world uh open world kind of rules and stuff. Is that you you as a player is you don't have to do it, but you as a player are making that choice to do it. So you can't blame the game even though it's there. Because, uh, like that's like I said, even if you run over people, you gotta deal with the cops. So marketing wise, I'm gonna play to this and create you know, all types of things that feed on this demoralization, mm-hmm. okay? Because demoralization sells. If, it's, if, it's, if it can sell for movies, it can sell for games. That, and, and, and look, if, if I was a heartless person that was just about making money, mm-hmm. I would be in the field of gaming. Okay, and the reason why the reason why I say is because there's a lot of money to be made by playing on people's lack of morals. Okay, because all these kids that are coming into adulthood Mm -hmm. are are coming out of potentially coming out of um, out of homes where they've been told what to do, told how to live life, and so now you are stepping into either the collegiate world or stepping into adult uh, adulting, if you will, where you are going to have to abide by a set of rules. Yes. Okay. Where you're going to have to obey the authorities. You're going to have to obey the bosses. You're going to have to obey the managers, you know, and all this different stuff. And so to an escape place is to be able to sit in a game where I can amass anything I want. 
power. Um, what did he say? The, the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the uh, lust for money, all of that is at the tip of my fingers. And, and, but there are some things that people, like people who don't play games, who look at from the, in, from the outside looking in, they'll mm-hmm. see a mature ready game and have an opinion and say things like that. But they're not looking at other games that talk about friendship, that talk about loneliness, and that that there there's a there's a game that deals with abuse, and um, the person that you play with uh, is like he's in this world full of monsters and stuff, and it comes to, uh, uh, comes to find out that it's the monster of his dad who's an alcoholic. And this mm-hmm. kind of resembles the developer's real life, putting it out to sure. the out there. There's a game called The Last Guardian that I'll talk about. And, like, if politicians and, like, even you could see it, um, it's like, yes, this boy gets kidnapped, uh, in a sense, by the uh, Trico. He's like a dog, cat kind of monster. And you guys go on this venture to help save his land and everything. Sure. And, it it really isn't a it, it's a great story about a journey, but it's really about the bonding and the friendship that it's had it has. And a lot of petitions and parents don't real don't see that. And I'm just like if if you get past it, mature rated games, and you see other stuff that's coming out. There's a there's a, you might get me on this one. There's a game called Iconoclast, and it it's one of the first games that deals with religion. And it deals in the fact that these beings who look to this mother or this god, um, they do... Is it Icono... Iconoclast. I-C-O-N-O-C-L-A-S-T. And it's just like you watch the beginning and you see what these authorities and this court more not the religion in this court how they view things and how they do things and because they have these powers if you go against them and be disobedient you have a chance of uh um having your life taken away but there's other stuff that plays into it and so it's like it's a it's a good take on what they think of what they think of a belief system, and I won't say religion, but they think of a belief system and how when people who have power, who hold something in this belief system, they will make the choice and decisions to do stuff. And it's a linear story with that. But like mm-hmm. with Mass Effect and like Infamous and even Grand Theft Auto with some of the mature uh, deep narrative storytelling and stuff, Gamers are given the choice to make a decision to be good or bad. And I was going to ask you, right. do a lot of that comes out of that characteristic and personality of the player? Because um, if they want to be disobedient, they may test it around. Um, where they know that in real life, they can't do stuff. You can't run over a whole crowd. In a video okay. game, you can run over a crowd because it's fictional. It's not real. Right. So there's a lot here. You know, there, there's a lot here, and and I don't I don't want it to be the impression that um, that there's no place for video games because it, for video gamers they're artists, and so I give mad respect to you know video gamers designers um, they are artists, mm-hmm. okay, 
and and so they they are going to uh, paint and put narratives and come from a place of you know um, and and it's uh, as even as you were talking I'm like man this sounds like just like rap artists yeah they are they operate off the same thing you know when it comes to and and I'm not a big person that listens to rap you know but it's the same idea you know and so. People uh, are, are given the choices in these video games of whether they want to choose good or evil, okay? And because people do recognize that there is an authority of good and authority of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether they're going to attribute it to God or not, okay? People still recognize that there's a moral standard. And, of course, that moral standard makes for good movies, okay? It makes, it makes for good writing. I mean, all writers, it's like, Okay, what's the good, what's the evil, and the battle that happens? I mean, that, that's good writing. Yes. Okay? And, and that's what our world is built on. Okay? And so ultimately, though, I think one of the, one of the biggest problems is, is that as much truth as we're trying to put into the narrative of games, music, uh, any, of, uh, any of the outlets, as much as we're trying to be like, well, I'm just trying to express myself and, and what I've been through and all of this stuff like that, it's not leading us to a place of acknowledging that God is the ultimate creator. And nor would I expect unbelievers to do that. Yes. Okay? I would, I, I would not expect unbelievers to do that because that's what it says in Romans. They don't want to do that. So therefore, I'm not surprised by all these different games that come out. I'm not surprised by all these different, you know, things that want to try and exalt themselves and make you a god and, and put all the choices in your hand. I'm not surprised by that because the narrative of the unbeliever is to deny God. You are in control. There is no God. You are the one that's in the driver's seat. You are the one that controls your destiny. We don't recognize a higher power, although there's a moral code. Yes, and, <laughs> and 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 to to even bring us more some more clarity that when there are gangs from Japan that come to America, they view religion in a different light than right. what American does. Like um, right. not a lot of American video game companies won't touch on religion because of they don't want to offend anybody, you know. And and there's been times where there has been some stuff that. Uh, companies had to take back and remove because there were uh, there were things you know that seemed offens- that was deemed offensive so they removed it and then put it back out so um, they could be respectful to those religions and stuff mm-hmm. so, and- because, because the thing is in, in, in eastern culture mm-hmm. there is a deep spiritual um, reverence for spiritual things, spirituality, mm-hmm. okay? In the West, we want to deny all things spiritual, although we're very much drawn to spirituality, okay? And under the auspices of we don't want to offend, but yet we're all drawn to the supernatural. We're all drawn to zombies coming to life. We're all drawn to demons and all yeah. this. We're drawn to it. But yet even the games that are coming out of the East, there is this, this lean towards spirituality. So, but we're not talking about spirituality. We're talking about God. Because even, even when it comes down to the end, it's going to be the world against God. Well, do you think that for you, 
if you were giving, if you were <laughs> giving, I'm laughing because I can't wait to hear your answer for this one. If you were giving a chance to make opposite decisions where it was evil, even though you are a pastor, would you shock yourself to be like, I can't <laughs> believe I'm making these bad choices just to see where it leads me? So in my household, um, my boys really like, you know, Star Wars. Yes. Okay. And But it always shocks me every time when they want to choose Darth Vader. And they want to do Stormtroopers. And I'm like, you do realize that's the bad side, the dark side. And I'm like, yeah, we know. <laughs> but- I'm like... Okay, you know, and, and even, you know, uh, I've had relatives that buy different clothing of Star Wars and, and, and they, we open the gift bag and all of a sudden it's a stormtrooper. And I'm like, we do recognize that that's the dark side, right? And they're just like, oh, but their uniforms are so cute. <laughs> so, so here are the pastor's kids walking in pajamas that are of stormtroopers in the house. <laughs> You know, got a you know dressed up for uh for uh their favorite superhero day at school, and my child comes in with a uh, Darth Vader a blanket on <laughs> at a Christian school. Come on now. <laughs> you know, and, and and I had to chuckle, and I had to thank God. You know, thank God for the grace that you know our our faith is not in those things. Yes. You know, and, and I feel very confident that, that we're raising our boys to be able to make solid choices. But even when they play the game of, you know, Star Wars, they they have to shoot the good side. You know, and, and honestly, I think my conviction inside of me is I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't. I'm like, give, give me, give me uh, uh, Luke Skywalker. Give me, give me, you know, Chewbacca or something, you know. <laughs> It's weird that you say that. That because uh, I I subscribe to Wired magazine. I like they, when they talk about tech, but they also do like various stories and stuff. And they was talking about you know kids seeing you know rooting for evil and seeing evil because they know even though it's fictional, it provides a balance for their lives. They know they're going to be taught good and stuff, but it's good to know some some evil things and for your boys I, I kind of feel like you know it, it sounds like okay that's a good balance but like could you could you okay so you can't balance it like you said you you wouldn't be able to make an evil choice in the game but would you would you do it just to see where it goes no no I wouldn't but I, in, a, in another situation, though, I did watch a movie that was about uh, about uh, uh, bank robbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, there were these bank robbers, and uh, and I found myself being very compassionate for the bank robbers. Okay, even though they were doing things in the name of evil, doing I mean it's just wrong. But yet I found myself uh, 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 against the authorities. Mm-hmm. And more for the bank robbers, you know, and mostly just because of the narrative and this because the movie, whoever created the movie, did a really good job of, of pulling you into the characters of the bank robbers. 
And so, therefore, you know, you're faced with that every single day of just like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen now. Oh, I said, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so me being the sucker that I am, you know, I'm drawn in to, to their narrative. And so, you know, so now I'm more so rooting for the bad guys than I am for the ruling authorities, although what they have done is bad, you know? And so I do get that point. I do get what is, is being said, but there comes a place to what are you feeding yourself? Because if the world is kind of, if our youth, okay, I'm not even talking about Christian children, although they're included in this, if the world is constantly being fed that bad is good, bad is good, bad is good, eventually these young people are get put into positions of leadership, hello, and begin to operate from that same mindset because that's all they've seen. Mm. That bad is good, bad is good, bad is good. So therefore, when, when Jesus really starts making this pronouncement that he's returning and coming back, you know, and so it's, it's promoting good, 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 good. And yet we've got people that are in leadership that it's like, no, bad, bad, bad. We want to be able to have our freedoms to operate and do bad and do bad things and, and without any consequences. So now you've got this big brawl, this big war that is talked about in the Bible. Okay. That in the last days, it's going to be the world against God. God who wants all things good versus people that is just like, no, we want the ability to do bad. Because that's all we've ever seen. That's the choices that have been laid before our feet, and we constantly chose bad, and bad looks good. I mean, even when it comes to Darth Vader, you know, Darth Vader is, is, is the cool one. He's got the cool voice. He's got the cool helmet. You know, he's got the cool cape. I mean, it's a bad cape. I mean, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you know, no Baptist preacher cape can match that one. You know, Woo! <laughs> and everybody, that's what I'm about to shut down and walk out the room. This, this, thank you for listening to optional opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm yeah. just saying, but there's the glorification of that. Okay. And it sells. Okay. You know, Simba's cute and the children like him, you know, and Simba's the hero, you know, and I'm only using him because he's here. But, you know, um, nobody's talking about the other lion that did evil. Okay. But this is cuteness right here. But when it comes to these, you know, more advanced and more mature movies with a different audience, it's the coolness of, you know, the fact that, oh, who's uh, Darth Sidian mm -hmm. and his double blade you know, so I mean, Comic-Con, um, I can look at some of the pictures of people and how they're dressed. And many of the times you see a, a lot of characters that are represented in, as darkness. Joker. Joker's one of the big ones. And he's Joker is uh, kind of the resemblance, uh, a resemblance for evil. In a sense, but every, mm -hmm. after that Aurora shooting, it's kind of like still looked upon as you know, kind of don't do Joker, even though like Joker won awards. I mean, talking about the movie, I haven't seen mm -hmm. it, but, but you know, but you know that Joker is the antagonist to Batman. Mm -hmm. And he just, well, look at Batman, yes. look at Batman, Batman is all things dark, 
Gotham is dark. Yes. Okay? And even though he's out saving the world, he's not driven by compassion for people to save the world. He's driven by the fact that he wants to find who killed his parents. Oh, let me just happen to say it. Now, some people will argue me about that, but still, it's darkness. It's the glorification of darkness. Because Batman sees darkness as as light in a sense, meaning that he's using darkness as the advantage to get to his opponent. Of course, just you know? like a bat. A bat operates in darkness. I mean, I get it. And, and, you know? and Joker is the crazy side of Batman. If you know, because Joker can't. Joker, there's been I think there's been episodes where Batman denies Joker and won't do anything. And so, what Joker does is that he's and he's trying to get Batman to get him to to fight him and stuff. And when Batman doesn't get in, he feels like everything he does is pointless. Mm. Yeah. And so if 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 Joker can't bring Batman into more darkness to his level, then what he does is pointless. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ryan. But I mean, I, it, I love it, DC <laughs> comics. Yeah. I, I hear you, you know, but I mean, it's still, you know, the glorification of all things evil, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's almost like, you know, yes, we want a hero, but it's like, you know, for many of these kids, it's like, yeah, we like seeing the bad guy. We like seeing the, you know, the, those different things. And it plays on the reality that this person is doing what I feel like doing, but I can't do. Yes. And even though this is fictional work of art, there mm-hmm. are some real truths. But, but the thing is, it's going to sell because you're doing stuff that I actually want to do. So somebody created that. Yes. This is stuff people would like to do, but they can't do. Can't do. Like the like the movie that I saw, they broke into the uh, the um, the mint. Okay, the the place where they make money. Yeah, you know, and and I was just like, oh wow, they so they didn't actually steal anybody's money. They went to the money maker <sighs> and took the mint on lockdown and bought time, and so they stole people's time. So that they can print enough money and then steal that. Wow. Now, in my mind, I'm just like, whoa, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, because I didn't take money from nobody, but still, I put a lot of people's lives in jeopardy trying to take them in. You well, know? But you gotta, so, gotta realize. But still, you... it's, but still, it's a play on. This is stuff that I would like to do, but wouldn't actually do it. But so now it's put on screen. I can relate to what I'm feeling mm-hmm. because honestly, uh, Eddie, we've all been born into sin. So yes. everybody's got a yearning towards the sinful. Yes. And it takes form in different shapes. But that's a black okay? person. Connecting on me with a black person. Do you think we got time to plan all of that? We already got time to get our clothes ready to get to church. <laughs> I'm not about to Hey, I, this was a, a movie that was set in Spain and, and Spanish actors. And I tell you, the guy who made the plan was a genius. 
I'm telling you. And he must have thought about everything. But the awesome thing that I saw in this is he accounted for almost every single step except for falling in love. That's what trying See, to check there's something about the heart, though. There's something about the heart. The heart belongs to God, and you can't control that. Only God can control it. And him being and and him falling in love threw some wrenches into the plan. Yes, the plan was flawless. I mean, for real, how they did it. He was like always two steps ahead of the police, you know. But he didn't account for himself falling in love with the investigating officer. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, I mean, but still, I, I think in the context of what we're talking about, you know, our hearts are drawn to all things evil. Okay. So even my boys, you know, I'm, I'm raising them in the Christian home, but still, uh, um, until they come to this place of really surrendering their heart to Jesus, mm-hmm. okay, they're still going to be operating from this place of a sinful heart until they fully surrender to Jesus, okay? And that's the same thing that happens in every believer every single day, is that there has to be this continual walk with God of surrendering the heart. Because the enemy is always, the devil is always at play because he wants to make God look like a fool. He ain't studying you. He ain't studying none of the people in the earth. His battle is with God. Yes. So therefore, us puny humans will be his pawn that, that just like he did with Job, he said, God, if you let me do this to Job, I bet you he'll deny you. And, and God said, yep. And God said, you know, go ahead. Do what you want with Job, but don't take his life. And then all that stuff came upon Job. But yet Job says, yet will I trust him. Though he had slain me, yet will I trust him. So look at this pandemic, Eddie. Look at this pandemic. So this pandemic, do you think God is surprised by this? Absolutely not. Do you think the enemy had to ask for permission to unleash this stuff? I, mm-hmm. Yes, he did. He, he asked for permission. And I bet you God was just like, hey. You can go ahead and watch. My people still will not turn away from me. But did you see people who are on the protest? It's just like, look. <clears throat> if y'all some believers, non-believers, whatever. Y'all don't need to be out here acting a fool. Mm-hmm. If y'all trying to get to heaven, yes, that is a quick way to get it. Uh, but if your stuff it ain't right... You trying to get to heaven, but you just had uh, some malt liquor in the front. That's not going to do. That's not going to work. <laughs> Please, but stay. you know, and 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 my heart goes out to all those who have suffered loss during this yes. time. You know, there's so many people that have lost their lives, but we also don't know the journey or the story that may have happened. Many people may have come to know God mm-hmm. Very true. on their deathbed, sitting there with the ventilator. Many people may have come to this place of knowing God, and, and therefore he's still making the enemy look like a fool. Yes. People well, sitting on their deathbeds in the hospital, you know, and it's just like right there in the hospital, somebody's ministering to them, and they end up accepting Jesus Christ, and the enemy is just like, dang, I messed up. Yeah, you messed up. Because through the adversity and the pressure, people turn to faith. True. Now, I'm not saying everybody does, because you look at the two jokers who was on there with Jesus, 
<laughs> One of them turned. And the other one, well, <laughs> needless to, to say, he didn't make it. I had to swing my Canada uh, Drive that one. So, well, we're going to get into this last part of it. Uh, can we disobey? Are there times that disobey is helpful? Are there times that, no, when it comes to believers and, and the word of God, no, you obey the word of the Lord. What if you disobeyed your parents to go out to a party and something happened, like someone needed help and you were helping them and you saved their lives, even though you still disobeyed, that's still, Mm -hmm. that would still be a no. It might I be mean, seen different. But, it might be seen in different eyes, viewpoints, such as say. Right, because ultimately the the motivation is where's the heart, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you know I can't see people's hearts. I can't. I mean, I, I I'm not the creator of the heart, so I can't open up your skin and look and see. Well, why did they make this decision? I I, I can't do that, okay? But God is the one who judges the heart and the intentions of man. And so he's the one that knows the heart. So he's the one that's going to make the final decision of whether you were really obeying me. Because ultimately, if you weren't supposed to be going out, you weren't supposed to be going out. But if while you were out, see, God is still merciful. And it's it's God's world. Even while you were out being disobedient, he still may have impressed upon you to be compassionate in a situation that you were at. Okay. What I love about God is that he is so merciful that even in our disobedience, he still finds us and he still makes room for us. You know, look at Jonah. And Jonah was sitting up in that boat was just like, nope, I ain't going. God said, go this way. Nope, I ain't going. I'm running away. You know, and yet he's in the boat. And all of a sudden, a storm wasn't there, and then all of a sudden, now a storm is there. And, and everybody else in the boat is all just tripping and everything, and, and they're just like wondering, where does storm then come from? Is it because of you, Jonah? And Jonah's just like, yep, just throw me overboard. And sure enough, they threw him overboard, and the storm stopped. <laughs> you know, and so God is really cool in all of this. You know, because it's like, even in the midst of our disobedience, God is so merciful. You know, even in the midst of, because even even for um, very spiritual people, mm-hmm. okay, very spiritual believers who who may have, you know, acted in disobe- disobedience in some way, shape, or form, the thing about this, uh, what God does in the heart of man is it humbles them. Yes. So, yeah, you may have done something dis- in disobedience, but this disobedience brought you to a place to turn you back to God, okay? Mm-hmm. So even in Jonah's situation, Jonah got thrown into the, into the lake, and a, and a big fish came and swallowed him, but it brought him where? It brought him to a lower place where he became humble to return back to God. And when he returned back to God, then eventually he ended up doing what he said do. Now, even when he went to Nineveh, he was just like, God, I know you're going to forget these jokers, and I don't want you to do it, but I know you got. Let me go ahead and preach. 
I just love how you just get you just get in your ghetto state and just be like, Ugh. these folks don't want to get it together. And yeah, just let them be, God. Let them be. Sometimes but, you just got to bring it to the ratchet, you know, and just to this <laughs> love, level of ratchetness because sometimes we don't hear all the academics. You know, and we can't we can't receive from all the academic, you know, and the academic it builds up knowledge, but it don't get to the heart of the matter. I, I'm sorry, I just had to double clap on that. <laughs> so, you but, know, but it's 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 true. I mean, even as I'm saying it, I'm listening to it out my mouth, and even just taking it through my own life, it's like, you know, sometimes we we do disobey, but and but that disobedience is is a is a place of arrogancy and pride, even in us. That it's disobedience. We did not do what we were supposed to do. It was arrogance because we thought the better choice was not to preach to the people. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on. Uh, is it only in movies or fictional work of art that it could be applied of disobeying? Um, it did. It ends up working out in some sense. A fictional work. And we kind of just talked about that. Uh, but did you want to dive into it a little bit more or... Uh, no, I mean, I think it's been answered because the thing is, this is real life. Mm-hmm. You know, movies and, and, and the fictional works that come out is, is, a, is a result of just what is really in the heart of man. You know, it, it's, a, it's just a picture of what is really in the heart of man. Man is evil. Well, uh, is it part of the human journey regardless if you believe or not? This it is. It is. Just like you said from the beginning, Romans 1. Okay, people don't want to acknowledge God. So disobedience, yes, it is part of the human journey. And the only one that can fix it is Jesus. Uh, what word of advice or options can you give? Like, the, an optional opinion, just, you know, just to let you know, is that we give our opinion, and at the end of the show, we always give options to the topic that's at hand. Um, so right. definitely as you as a pastor, I know you've been speaking it throughout all, all of it, but uh, for people who, who don't believe or people who are, who do listen and are, you know, their walk is shaky and they're trying to do their best. Um, yeah. just in general, like, what would, you, what, what advice or what options can you give to a person? Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, these are not, um, it's, it's definitely not opinions for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made the points to make it real. I've made the points to believe. And Christianity is about faith. It is not about uh, a set of rules. It is not, a, uh, it is not about um, a, a set of, of standards. Christianity, when you boil it down, is belief. Okay? And so that everybody is at a crisis of belief. Am I going to believe God or not? And so God says that I could be forgiven. God says that I could be made whole. God says that I could be restored. So if I'm going to believe him that all those things can happen, then that means I need to take the plunge and, and walk it out. And so my advice would be is to taste and see. Taste and see that God is good. You know, put your trust in it. You know, get plugged into a, a good um, relationship with others, you know, hopefully in a good church. And, in, and even in our context at this point, 
you know, uh, find a good Zoom, uh, find, <laughs> find a good video chat or uh, TikTok or something, you know. <laughs> oh, goodness, TikTok wouldn't. Right. TikTok test you know, but not today. Uh-huh, well, you know, but <laughs> find something, right, find something like that where you can get into a good relationship of somebody that has walked this journey and is trying to walk it out. Because I'm going to tell you something, um, there is a lot of power in stories. There's a lot of power, even in, in my personal journey with God, where I've seen God really restore me and forgive me and, and help me grow, that I, I don't have a leg to stand on to, to discredit anybody else. So even if, if you're a person that's watching this broadcast and you're just like, well, I don't know, I just want to, you know, I want you to just really come to this place of a crisis of belief. Jesus forgives sin. That's why he died. He came so that sins would be forgiven. And the exchange that he wants is he wants you to come from this place of serving yourself and being a pawn of the devil and come to this place of walking in freedom with Jesus. Free to do what? Free to do good. I mean, we've been talking about good and evil and disobedience and obedience. Well, obedience leads to life. Before we even got on the broadcast, I was kind of I was looking in the scriptures, and it's all in Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy, um, and I don't mean to you know belabor people with a lot of scripture, but Deuteronomy verse in, in chapter thirty, it says, "See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, and death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways." and to keep his commandments and his statutes and judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter to possess it. And so there's a choice that God himself says, I'm presenting this to you. Look, you can have life and, and be prosperous by following the goodness, by, by obeying, or you can choose death by walking in disobedience, you know. And so there's a choice. It's called a crisis of belief. You know, am I going to believe God and allow him to lead my life, or am I going to continue to walk in this path that only leads to destruction? So it's, 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 not, it's not a hard choice. It's a free choice. You, get, you have the freedom to make it, you know. But I guarantee you, once you try God, he'll bless your life. Have you tried Jesus? No, I don't got the voice. He's all right. Have you tried Jesus? He's all right. I don't got the voice Have you tried Jesus? He's all right. Have you tried Jesus? He's all right. He's yes, all sir. right. He's all right. He's all right. He's, He's all right. right. You know, yeah. I, look, prayer garden church of God of Christ. That's where you'll find me when I'm able to. That's it. That's it. That's my sister church. Prayer garden church of God. Taylor's. I love him. I love him. Well, everybody, that is the show. I want once again. I want to thank you, Pastor Corey. We got a word, and and for anyone who is hearing this, please, I hope you listen to everything. This whole discussion, um, 
everything that we say because it's really good you know it's really good to hear different opinions on things but this one is just like this is coming from a pastor who is speaking not only through experience but speaking from the word you know and just really be encouraging and you know just trying to help trying to show you know optional opinion is just not like i said it's not just for gays it could be for anything um pastor Mm. Corey, would you like to plug anything um the sign of the dead church (laughs) (laughs) yeah we broadcast every sunday at 10 a.m um either on youtube or on facebook live and um we are a church of that really wants to see people grow want to see people grow in their relationship with god um it's not about church culture when you come to the sign of the dead it's very different um but we serve jesus we worship jesus um, Eddie has definitely uh, been a, a strong partner in the ministry as we've worshiped together. And so um, definitely you're welcome to come in. Uh, we do have life groups that happen throughout the week. Uh, these are virtual life groups where you can just get connected. If you want to talk to somebody, we have prayer groups that happen all throughout the week. And so um, definitely hit, hit us up. You can also hit me up. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to chat and talk with anybody about anything in life. Um, you might be a dancer, and uh, if you are a dancer, I've got a dance group called uh, Lots Dance. And so we're teaching Zoom classes every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Um, and so definitely come on into the Zoom call <laughs> <laughs> and join the class. Um, everything is on Zoom. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I just want to just um, offer that up. You know, um, totally we're about transparency um, we're just about trying to do this life and, and grow until Jesus comes again. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, this was so much fun. And so definitely thank you um, to all your viewers that will see this. Um, oh, I, I just, just listen. I, I didn't oh, that's this. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so to all the listeners, um, definitely I, I, I just, I hope that even in this crisis of belief that you will choose to walk towards the light, that um, there's freedom in the light and in all things good um, that will cause you to really live. Okay. You don't know living until you follow after God. Walk in the light. Let me tell y'all before we go. Because I know so many gospel and Christian hymns and stuff, pretty much throughout this whole conversation, I could have brought like A and B selections, offering, present offering. We were talking about restoring. I'm just like, restore the joy that flows. Yeah. I'm just like, you know what? If you would have said satisfy, I would have been like, running out of time. So satisfied. The way you bless me, Lord. Mm-hmm. You gave yeah. me what yeah. I needed. It's yeah. a mm. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was actually listening to Lighthouse one day. I'm just like, ooh, this was a comeback in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. New Direction. Yes. All of the songs that they sang. Yes. And Voices of Vision that did half of their album. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, everybody, thank you for listening to Optional Opinion. We will see you guys next time. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We never do hear this. And as always, let's play games and be better to one another. And, 
in and for anyone pray for one another too in this time all right everybody we will see you next time on optional opinion bye everybody bye